Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The basics of the story are pretty simple. It begins with the son who desired to leave his father's home and to go his own way. Somewhat like a teenager, he wanted to shrug off the responsibilities of working in his father's home. He wanted to pave his own way, make his own choices, do as he pleased. He wanted to unshackle himself, if you will, from the rules and the regulations free himself from the accountability that came with being a part of his father's family. In short, he wanted to answer only to himself. Yet, while wanting to be on his own, he couldn't do it on his own. His livelihood was tied up in his father. All that he had came from his father. I can remember growing up and threatening to run away from home when I didn't get my way. And my mom and my dad's answers were always a deterrent, though, to that. They would say, fine, you can go if you want, but you can only leave with the things that are yours. And basically, that was their way of saying to me, strip down, leave your clothes and start walking. Because nothing that I had was my own. Not even the clothes that I wore. And that was this young man's situation. There was nothing that he had apart from his father. So he had to figure out a way to accomplish his desire. And as we see, he appeals to the only thing that was lawfully his, his inheritance. As the younger of two sons, he would eventually receive one-third of his father's estate. The older son would receive two-thirds of the estate, but he would also be charged with the care of the father and the estate later on in life. But the younger son wouldn't have that same level of obligation and responsibility. And so the son thinks, well, let's just move this time frame up. Give me now what will be coming to me later anyway. In essence, what the son was doing was taking the blessing of his father without desiring to have the relationship with his father and without fulfilling any family responsibilities. Anyways, as the story goes, and for whatever reason, the father gives it to him and the father lets him go. And we're told that the son goes to a foreign land. A foreign land meant that it was a land apart from his heritage, apart from his father. And it's safe to assume that Jesus tells this parable with the understanding that the son and the father and his household are of Jewish descent. So the son is straying away, not just from his father's household, but from the entire Jewish land and the Jewish religion. Like we all know from personal experience, when it comes to to doing something sinful that we know that we shouldn't do... It would be much easier for him to do what he wanted if it were or if he were not around others who would hold him accountable. It would be much simpler to enjoy the sinful pleasures of the flesh if there was no one else to question or to judge his actions. 
And in addition, if he went to a foreign land, those with whom he would associate would not have the same ethical and moral standards as himself. And it matters not what particular sins in which he engaged. The point is, is that he could do what he wanted, how he wanted, when he wanted. But we're told that the son wasted his money. And when a famine hit, his life was turned upside down. And here he hit his lowest point. Jesus says, and if you happen to have your Bibles open and you're looking, this is in Luke chapter 15, verses 15 and, uh, 15 and 16. He says, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. The son became the slave of another. And he basically ate with and from the swine. And we think of that as disgusting. And it is. None of us would go into the pig pen at the zoo to get a meal. But go to some street alleys. And we find people just like that. Picking from the trash bins for a morsel. And we wonder what it took for them to get to that point. And this really shows how far down the sun had come in life. But beyond even that, swine was that which was forbidden in Jewish law. You've heard me say it a a few times over the past couple of weeks. And here we hear it again. St. Paul's teaching that the wages of sin is death. Well, in the sun's very act of eating... The most basic function in life, apart from breathing, he was now sinful. In this illustration, that is what active sinful living led to. Sin multiplied upon sin until his entire life at its basic core, at its basic existence, was completely sinful. And the way that the story is related, it seems that this is almost an instantaneous type of thing. But in reality, the son was in a continual, progressive, downward spiral. This didn't happen overnight. It took time. A year? Maybe. Two years? Maybe. We don't really know, but we do know that it didn't happen in the matter of a day. And all the while, he was blind to what was occurring. As long as coin remained in his pocket, as long as friends still gathered around, his life remained fine, despite the signs pointing otherwise. I mean, sin is that way. It keeps drawing you into the moment, into the exhilarating fulfillment and emotional high of of self-fulfillment and satisfaction, all the while blinding you to the bigger picture of what's happening around you. And more importantly, what's happening to you. And finally, for this man, when it, when it all hits its lowest point, he finds himself all alone. There was no longer anyone to whom he could turn. When the money ran dry, when the friends fled, when he became a slave to someone else, he found himself destitute and alone. It's a bleak situation. It's a hopeless situation. And that's the situation of following a heart of sin. What seemed to be so enticing was now the source of his destruction. The famine that he endured was really a picture of the famine in his own life of sin. And here Jesus says that the son now realizes just how far he had fallen. No longer was there a fulfillment in being away from the family. 
No longer was there enjoyment in those things of this life. His eyes were open to see, but more importantly, his heart was open to change. And so he has this internal dialogue and conversation with himself. And I think we've all done that. We've had that conversation with me, myself, and I. And we pine over our situation. Sometimes verbally, most of the time I think it's in the car, so that we can hear ourselves and get it out. And in those moments, I think that the Spirit of God moves us to say and hear what truly needs to be heard and said. Again, if you do have your Bibles open, look at verses 18 to 20. And this is what the prodigal says, uh, speaks to himself and what happens afterwards. He says, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Beautiful picture. And there's certainly more to this story after this, such as the older brother or the ring or the shoes or the robe. But it's at this point that I wish to leave those details and instead consider that return of the son to the father's home in our own setting. I mean, it's traditional and and customary to view this as the big picture of salvation, as the ones who have rebelled and turned away from God and then returned to him. And indeed, that principle is at the forefront This parable is told of as one of three in Luke chapter 15. We have the lost coin, then we have the lost sheep, and then we have this, which is really the lost son. And these parables are set in the context of Jesus being condemned by the Pharisees for eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. So overall, it's a glorious picture of the unredeemed being redeemed and the great rejoicing that occurs in heaven when a sinner repents and turns to God. It's a story of God's great grace and mercy extended to his children, even to those who have strayed. But on a more subtle level, might I say that this is also a picture as we live our lives from week to week. Compare, if you will, the leaving and the returning of the Son to that which we do in church and during the week. We don't live in the church family home every day. We all live in the world where we're all enticed to live as we wish. Temptations surround us every day. And it matters not what the temptation or the sin is. It matters not whether it's something we would label as minor or severe. Just as it mattered not what sins the prodigal son committed. The general concept is what's important. The truth is is that we're enticed by our own hearts to do, to have, And to enjoy whatever it is that we want, whenever we want, without regard for the father or the household. In many ways, we waste opportunities and we waste the gifts that God has given to us. The family rules don't seem to suit us all the time. And we're drawn to shed or to bury our responsibilities as Christians. There are times we don't want to labor in and for the family home. There are times when we don't want to associate with those who are in the household of faith. We have our own homes and our own needs that seem more important and pressing to us. And what has been more and more the case in these recent decades, as opposed to those who came before, is that we often desire to go to a foreign land. 
Where once a parish church was the center of each community, now there seems to be this great divide. A divide that keeps our weekly and personal lives separate from our spiritual and Sunday lives. And that makes it convenient for us because then we can compartmentalize. We can justify our actions better. We can achieve our heart's desires better. Like the prodigal, when we're apart from the family, our lives are hidden from the family. And like the age-old question which asks if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? So we could ask the question, if the pastor is not there to see it, if our fellow members are not there to witness it, does it really matter or count as a sin? So we sin in doing things we shouldn't have done and in not doing things we should have done. Sins of commission, sins of omission. But when we come together for worship, we're like the prodigal son returning home, or at least we ought to be. We return again to our father in repentance. We sing, Lord, have mercy upon us. We confess the burden of our sins is intolerable. We pray we're not worthy to gather up the crumbs under thy table. We throw ourselves at the feet and the, uh, and the mercy of our father. And like as Jesus portrays his father in the story, what we hear from God are those comfortable words. This is a faithful saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. God bows himself down in the person of Jesus Christ to say, I forgive you and I embrace you as my child. Furthermore, as the father in Jesus' story kills the sacrificial fatted calf, so God throws us a feast with the sacrificial and sacramental bread and wine of Christ's body and blood. He robes us with Christ's righteousness. He gives us the ring of Christ's sonship, and he gives us the food of that great sacrifice. Friends, what we experience each week here in worship is that Father's glorious embrace and restoration of the sinful and returning Son, of His return to the family. But it's not just the prodigal Son. It's you, and it's me. We who were lost have now been found. We who were dead in our sins, God has made alive in Christ Jesus. So, beloved, let us come again this morning to the family table. Let us rejoice anew in our Father's love for us, and let us live as his welcomed and restored children. In the name of the Father, and of his Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stmkaty.org.